In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple from The Athletic. The Badgers fall 17 14. Washington State. They do so as a 17-point favorite. It's the third time in the last five years that they've fallen as a favorite of 17 points or more. A lot of bad, a lot of bad things. I'll say that. Uh, some good things mixed in, and we'll get to that. We've got uh, your Twitter questions coming up later in the show. Also going to play a little overreaction or no. Uh, but Jesse, I think we'll spend the first segment here talking about why Wisconsin lost for the first time this year and sit now one and one in a game that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people thought that they were going to win. I don't know how many people thought they were going to win by 17 or more, but certainly thought that they were going to end up coming out on top. They did not. They had plenty of chances to do so. Paul Chris said after the game that Washington state beat them. I will uh, disagree with Paul Chris and say Wisconsin beat Wisconsin. Do you, would you say the same? Yes, of course I would. I think we're going to get into all the ways Wisconsin shot itself in the foot. Um, You look at the numbers on paper, some of these numbers, and it's almost inexplicable that Wisconsin lost. I had this in my story after the game, but Wisconsin gained at least 400 yards of total offense and allowed fewer than 300 yards on defense. Since 2000, the Badgers have been 78-0 and in games like that. Um, but those stats don't matter when you are committing penalties that take 30, that flip the field by 30 plus yards, when you're missing field goals, when you give up 70 plus yard kick returns, when you miss tackles, um, and when you have turnovers, the special teams it takes, it's just, it added up to a terrible performance by Wisconsin on the whole. Yeah, it was a, um, largely so many parts of the game were a disaster for them. Right. Like they, it just felt like they couldn't do anything right. As I said later in the show, we'll get to some of the things that did go right. But I, I do, we obviously need to start uh, with the things that did not. And you mentioned a few of them special teams, penalties, turnovers. Where would you like to start with that? Because um, <laughs> there's penalties. Of- I, I think penalties is pretty good because it was yeah. a consistent theme throughout, theme throughout, easy for me to say. And it was just while some of the other things were uncharacteristic, that especially stood out it was mind blowing and that the offense committed nine of the 11 penalties. I I think that's a good place to start 11 penalties for 106 yards. Very rarely does Wisconsin have a game like that. I think the last time they were flagged for more was the 13 times for 125 yards against Purdue in 2018. And that was a triple overtime game. If I'm not mistaken. You were so no, you're not. So yeah, let's, let's begin there. Yeah, I apologize to all the Badgers fans listening because your ears will be bleeding as we go through the first 30 minutes or so, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Yes. So the penalties, you mentioned the 13 penalties that they had against Purdue in that game in 2018. Uh, The the time that they've had more than uh, that, or I should say more than the 11 that they had yesterday in a non-overtime game, 2008 against Michigan State when they had 12. So it's been some time. And if you'll remember that, well, people that are listening, I don't know, Jesse, maybe you're obviously weren't here in 2008, but 2008 was not a good season for Wisconsin football. 
Um, they finished seven and six. It was a very ugly season under Brett Bielma, his his third season. And it was kind of the kick in the butt to, you know, kind of get things figured out in his entire life, but also certainly football wise, uh, <laughs> that kind of sprung or uh, served as a springboard to what they were able to do in 2010 and 11 and 12. But yes, 11 penalties, nine of them, as you mentioned, on the uh, on the offense, including five of them on the offensive line. Joe Tipman had a couple of them and almost all of them were absolute like backbreakers too. Right. Oh, yeah. Cause the most, cause most of them came on big plays. Uh, I think four of them wiped out 79 yards of offense. And I know the people are like, well, if they did, if they didn't do the penalties, they wouldn't have the yards. I don't think that's the case. There are like several of them. I, I'd say a majority of them were unnecessary. Like they didn't really contribute to the play success. So that was obviously ridiculous. And then, you know, you have the inexcusable, inexcusable ones, the, the delay of game coming out of a timeout or just in general, a lack of uh, communication. There were a couple times where they didn't have the right package in on offense or someone lined up incorrectly and they had burned timeout. That happened twice. Uh, it was just honestly, it was just one after the other. Every time you Wisconsin had a big play, you just expected that there was going to be a flag out there at some point. You can go through the list of, as you said, backbreaking plays. It wasn't just what would have been a third and three is now a third and eight. It was Skylar Bell has a jet sweep for a 26-yard gain. It's called back because tight end Hayden Rucci is flagged for an illegal block in the back. That was a difference of 31 yards on the field. Then kicker Vito Calvaruso eventually misses a 51-yard field goal to close out that drive. Left tackle Jack Nelson gets flagged for a 15-yard personal foul penalty. That wipes out Mertz's 25-yard pass to DK. That's another 31-yard flip of the field. And you mentioned a couple of the penalties on Joe Tipman. That erased a 16-yard run from Braylon Allen and a 12-yard run from Allen. And the other penalty on the O-line, or a couple of the other ones in the O-line, were, were Michael Fertney had a, a chop block and Logan Brown had a hold. So it's just, that's inexcusable from any team, but especially for a Wisconsin team that prides itself on being disciplined, from not beating itself. And typically in most seasons, the Badgers are one of the least penalized teams in the country. So I don't know where this came from. You have to wonder what the team was practicing, whether they saw this leading up to the game. And also I would have wanted to be a fly in the wall, or maybe I wouldn't have uh, to hear what Bob Bostad's message was to the O-line after the game, because you imagine he would have been, shall we say, less than thrilled with that performance. Yes, for sure. I didn't. I didn't give Michael Fertney the the chop block because Braylon Allen is one that actually chopped him. Um, yeah, I think they gave it to both, and then he they was did. listed on the because it's one of those. Yeah. It's one of those. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those penalties where Michael Fertney was engaged with him, and Braylon Allen came up and chopped him. I don't. Obviously, I don't think it was intentional. I, I'm not sure he thought that Michael Fertney was going to be engaged with him because it was coming. I think it was the blitz uh, that that was on, but. Either way, the the penalties, it has to be just so maddening because that's not Wisconsin football for the most for the most part, right? Like the last time I can think where they did this, where it was just like, seriously, really, was the Rose Bowl in against Oregon, where they were the least one of the least penalized teams in the country, and I think they had like a season high eight or nine, but this was at a different level, and um, it probably just had to be so maddening, obviously for fans, but. You know the guys that are making plays too, and be like, "What are we? What are we doing here? What is going on?" So the penalties obviously 
were a huge thing. And then, you know, uh, the other, another aspect of things that did not go right, special teams. Uh, again, I think they've been poor. I, I think it's safe to say they've been poor on special teams for a while. Certain aspects have been good, right? Like the punt team was, was pretty good yesterday. And, um, <laughs> kick return yeah. team has given them some big plays over the years. I'm not saying they had this year, but yes, for the most part, uh, there have been some issues and they certainly showed up on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was just, just all right. Just wanted to be sure. Maybe they should fire the special teams coach. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the the most notable, obviously, is because they lost the game by three and they missed two field goals. Vito Calvaruso missed a pair of kicks that didn't come anywhere close. Now, I think there's some debate as to whether any of them were touched. Have we have we come to an agreement on that or no? Uh, yeah, I think the second one was just a total misfire that wobbled off of his foot from the beginning. I, I, I don't think that it was touched, and even though it, it was close on the replay, but that was my understanding. Uh, okay. That was the that was the forty three yarder and whoa that one hurts. So, yeah, I mean that ball. I mean, I'm not a golfer, um, but it felt like he topped it because <laughs> you know because like the ball hit right into you could see the the back uh, black pellets fly up because it felt like he hit it into the into the ground as opposed to at the at the. Uh, bottom of it so i mean that one wasn't anywhere close the 52 yarder was not anywhere close and obviously um i look like an idiot and that certainly wouldn't be the first time i'm okay with it like in warm-ups he's sitting from 57 with ease and i just maybe maybe um you know when things are in a game it just it's different obviously you don't have a rush at you you don't you know you're it's it doesn't really matter if you make the kick or not I don't know how to explain it otherwise because those kicks weren't anywhere close. No, um, I think I compared him at some point over the last several months to uh, one of my favorite movie characters, Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. That you you see these moments of brilliance, and then you're also not sure what's going to happen on in certain kicks. And I, I just wonder. This is one game, so people can bounce back from a poor performance. But if this were something that continued, does Wisconsin end up going with Nate Van Zelst? who handled the first team field goal tries during fall camp when Calvaruso was out with an injury to his quad muscle and seemed to be reasonably consistent. The, the difference is that he doesn't have as strong of a leg, but strong leg doesn't matter if you can't put it through the uprights. So we're not there yet. Um, they obviously brought Calvaruso in as a transfer from Arkansas and put him on scholarship, which is rare among specialists. It's just certainly not a very encouraging performance. And I can understand missing a 50 plus yard or wide, right. That had distance. It just wasn't accurate, but a 43-yarder that you you don't give yourself a chance in a game that is a one-possession game. And you see, um, obviously, Washington State was able to convert its field goals from 26 yards out, but that's the difference in the game. That's There's obviously a number of other reasons why Wisconsin lost, but uh, that's an example that three points make all the difference between a win and a loss or a chance to get it to overtime. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm like, what if, so say Clay Cundiff doesn't fumble and Wisconsin's, sure. Wisconsin's sitting there fourth down, are they sending Vito Calvaruso back out there to kick? Yes, I think so. Uh, it or, depends on the it depends on the circumstance, but uh, I, you know, if it's so he when Kunda fumbled, I believe it was at the twenty two. He was about to get into the red zone. Uh, you know, that's inside forty yards. If you get to a fourth down situation and it's not manageable, I mean, they couldn't even, and I know we'll get to it, convert a fourth and three. That was uh, a huge mistake earlier in the game. I, I would have thought they probably would have sent Calvaruso out again, but. I guess we'll never know. No, we won't because 
they turned the ball over. Uh, what, the other special teams things that uh, jumped out to me, the kick return to start the second half. I think it, Wisconsin had a lot of momentum going into halftime. What they were able to do at the end of the half, they give up the kick return right away to start it. Cougars grab the momentum back, and Wisconsin, you know, obviously never really got it back. Um, so that's been an issue. You have Dean Ingram running backwards on a punt, uh, on a punt return, you know, and then also having to go try and scramble to, to cover another one. Uh, cover, uh, I don't even know if I don't know if somebody touched it or not, or maybe he was just trying to make sure it didn't go all the way down to the one yard line, but. Uh, the punt return unit has been uh, subpar. I think I could. I think I'm safe in saying that. So there were there. It wasn't just Vito Calvaruso. It was uh, other aspects of it as well. Hey, uh, at least Andy Vujinovich still very good. So yes. uh, great for him. The other one, the other aspect, turnovers. They turned it over three times. Washington State took advantage of it. I, I, two of them were kind of crazy, right? Um, you have Jay Shaw picking off a pass on third and 10 that would have give, given Wisconsin ball at like midfield there in the third quarter. And he, when he's returning it, he fumbles, Washington state recovers and they go down. And uh, I think there's a couple of plays later. No, I think, well, about six plays later, uh, they took the lead for good. And uh, that was the, I believe the Nikia Watson touchdown. And then obviously Wisconsin does the same exact thing. <laughs> Mertz gets hit ball comes loose. Uh, it's intercepted. And then the guy fumbles and Mertz recovers. And you're like, oh, all right. Well, now the turnover gods are even here. Uh, everything works out. You know, it was kind of a fluke with the Jay Shaw one. Now you got a fluke back the other way. Two plays later, uh, Clay Cundiff fumbles and Wisconsin will never touch the ball again. I mean, I don't even know where to start, but I guess we we take it from the first one. That, that Jay Shaw play was to see two of those in one game unheard of, right? An interception <laughs> yeah. that winds up being fumbled and that the other team gets back. I'll give Shaw credit after the game. He completely put it on himself. He said, if I would have held onto the ball right now, I'd be sitting here and we'd be having a whole totally different conversation. And he's probably right. Um, can't be certain, but that obviously didn't help Wisconsin's cause. Um, you know, I, I, DB, you get a big pick and he's thinking about getting to the end zone. And he said that that was his initial thought. And you don't necessarily think as much as you should about covering up. And obviously Washington state's receiver, Victor Lincoln came in, knocked it out and an offensive lineman fell on it. That was a backbreaking play because as you said, that led to Watson's 31 yard touchdown reception with another mistake. Kamoe Latu had him one-on-one and, you know, Watson, as we saw at Wisconsin, a big back who can uh, run through you, but just Latu missed on the tackle and Watson ran free for that 31 yard touchdown and, and Washington state got the lead. The Cundiff fumble, Man, I mean, what can you really say about it? Because he had such a good game up to that point. He caught both of Graham Mertz's touchdown passes. It looked like he was in position for another big play. And he said he had a, a feel that someone was in the area, but he obviously didn't see them. And as you said, that was it for Wisconsin because Washington State took possession with 514 left in the game, ran 10 plays. Wisconsin never got the ball back again. And that was it. And Wisconsin lost. So uh, another aspect uh, that was uncharacteristic for Wisconsin in committing those kinds of turnovers and I think that's worth mentioning this deep into the show. Um, you know, for as much as people have bemoaned what, what Graham Mertz hasn't done, that I think he did reasonably well. Um, and this was not his fault at all. <laughs> this loss, you certainly, there have been other games where you want to pin it on him, not this one. Yeah, again, I as I said, I, I figured like this first segment of the show would just be 
talking about what didn't go right. And we could, we could hit on the, the few things that did go right in the second segment. And Graham Mertz was certainly part of that. Um, so many times we've pointed to him as the reason why they've lost games these last two years. And yesterday was not one of those situations. Um, his performance to an extent deserved a win. So yeah, the, uh, the turnovers, obviously uh, killer. And uh, you know, a couple other things that were at least concerning the inability to get a lot of push in the run game. Uh, that's, that was, I thought an issue in the first one, we kind of, it was kind of overlooked because of the 96 yard uh, kick return, or as to say the 96 yarder from, from Braylon Allen. But for the most part, the offensive line unable to get too much going. Braylon Allen had held to 98 yards. I believe this was uh, Colton Bartholomew uh, from the Wisconsin state journal telling us this afterwards, but that's just the second time. And I went and looked it up and he's accurate. So I'm, I'm not just taking it and running with it here. Uh, second time that since Braylon Allen has become part of this offense that he's been held under 100 yards. The other time, obviously, that Minnesota game uh, in the season finale last year. So it the, the run game has not been what we thought maybe it would be. And again, Washington State has a good front, but um, it, it felt like they had opportunities to, to have some success in the run game and they just couldn't get it going. And when they did have the success, the offensive line, being called for penalties. So that continues to be, I think, a rather significant issue for them if they're unable to be the running team that everyone thought they would be coming in. I, I will say, again, it's a relatively new offensive line working together. And a lot of them have played football, but they haven't necessarily played football in the spot, spots that they're in right now. And they were also without Riley Mallman yesterday, which I think, for the most part, didn't necessarily stand out, like huge, huge standout until – uh, the Mertz uh, interception where he got hit. Cause that was definitely uh, Logan Brown's guy, but offensive line wise hasn't been the group that maybe we thought it would be to this point. No, it hasn't in Washington state. You could tell they were selling out to stop Braylon Allen. The, the decision was we're going to make anybody else try to win. And it worked early on. You look at the first quarter numbers, Braylon carried seven times for 10 yards. The Badgers ran the ball 14 times for 41 yards. And the longest run was Graham Mertz's 10 yard run. Ultimately, Allen finished with 21 carries for 98 yards, which is a fairly respectable 4.7 yards per attempt. But as you mentioned, that's that's the second time he's been under 100 yards in the 11 games he's been part of the regular rotation. Ches Malusi gave you less than three yards a carry, 15 rushes for 44 yards, and then Isaac Arendo carried three times for 14 yards. So that's not enough for Wisconsin. And you're right that it is a, a new offensive line playing some new positions under a new position coach. I would wonder at what point do you start to – to wonder is it is it going to come together it's still very early um i don't know how many mulligans this team gets or this offensive line gets i don't think there are any more really but um you got to be able to run the ball that's obviously been the the thing that has catapulted wisconsin to success and braylon allen tweeted out such high expectations for the group that he felt like they had the best backfield in america but you got to go and show it um sometimes the blocks aren't going to be there and there were times where braylon's able to slide through and make a play but this wasn't good enough. It just wasn't because they didn't even get a touchdown out of the grand ground game. And you got to have more. All right. And w- one more thing before we get into some of the positive stuff, Jesse, it's the, uh, the fourth and three play in the uh, second quarter where Wisconsin, you know, usually Paul Christ will play. I think to, to a lot of people's uh, chagrin, uh, the, the conservative game, especially in a, in a tight game where you have a good defense, um, you know, punted on fourth and three when you're, around midfield he decided against that and I guess I personally didn't have a problem with the decision to go for it 
the play just didn't fool anybody. They did a little, uh, what was it, a fake toss and uh, play action out to the outside, and Washington State was not fooled whatsoever, and Graham ended up, I think, trying to throw it to, to Isaac Garendo, who would have been short even if he caught the ball. Um, and usually you don't hear Paul Crisp regret decisions after a game. He, I mean, it's, he usually does not do that. He regretted that decision afterwards um, because, uh, because Washington State would take advantage of that field position and I think it was four plays later would be in the end zone uh, for their um, – was that the first score of the game for them? Yeah, the first score of the game for them in the second quarter. Uh, I want to say I want to say it was a debacle, but I also I I don't have a problem with the call. It's just obviously the result of it is is just looking at it in hindsight. I'm, I, I'm people have been killing Paul Christ for not going for it in that situation. He goes for it. We can't sit here and say, "Gosh, what a horrible decision." Would you have liked a better play? Yes, but. The decision, I don't have a problem with. Obviously, he regrets it because of what happened after that, but I, I personally don't. This goes back, I think, to the lack of having a consistently effective run game because if you look at the play before, Wisconsin had uh, third and two, and Ches Malusi got the ball. He lost one yard, and it's fourth and three, and that puts Wisconsin in a difficult spot. You can't necessarily just line up and do a fullback dive, which we should probably see more of this season, but um, you got to be able to do something a little creative and it didn't work because Mertz's pass fell incomplete for Isaac Arendo. It was a turnover on downs. And I do think that maybe it's magnified in part because as you said, it was something that Paul Chris addressed in his introductory remarks to his post-game press conference. He said he was quote, kicking myself end quote. Um, so I think you kind of, for, for Paul who, who generally doesn't give you that much in a post-game press conference or any other setting, I think that raised an eyebrow, but at least he was honest because it was a huge play in a game where there weren't very many scores. As you said, Washington State just needed four plays to get a touchdown. Nikia Watson punches it in from two yards out, basically walks in for a 7 nothing lead. And Paul did explain his thought process that he he has confidence in his defense, as he should, but he felt like he was in a position where he was feeling good, the offense has to deliver, and, and that was the thought process. There's been moments where he's gone for it. I can distinctly remember a couple of years ago against Michigan where they were converting left and right on those fourth downs on a, on a play just like that. But I think the fourth down play, it's got to be set up to, to give yourself a better chance. And, and that wasn't. And, and obviously in a game that is a one possession, three point loss, something like that is more magnified than ever. All right. Uh, let's get into some of the positive things. And I think it has to start with, with Graham Mertz. He went 18 for 31, 227 yards, had a couple of touchdowns and also that interception. I think the thing that stands out about the game the most from, from his perspective is some of the throws down the field and giving guys an opportunity to make plays. We saw it several times. The touchdown to Clay Cundiff on the corner route was as perfect of a ball as you could possibly hope. Uh, it was right where it needed to be, and he dropped it right on him. Then you had Keontes Lewis's uh, 40-yard catch down the hash marks. I That may be among the better throws that he's made in his time at Wisconsin. And then also the beating the blitz to, to hit Clay Cundiff on a, uh, on, on the touchdown right before the half where it's a kind of a zero blitz and he was able to beat man coverage and he just put it right where he needed it to and, and got another touchdown. I will say this. I think it was another encouraging performance from him. It didn't result in a win, but it certainly, he was not a, uh, to blame in my mind why they are one and one. He, he deserved better than that. I have to agree. And he finishes with 227 yards passing. This is now back-to-back games to start the season where he's eclipsed the 200-yard passing mark. That's notable because, and I may have mentioned this last week, but he only went over 200 yards passing in three games last season. So, 
and it's also limiting the mistakes. Obviously, there was that interception. Um, you know, he got hit, didn't deliver the ball like he wanted to, and Wisconsin caught a break on it. He one sack. That's been the biggest change in my mind. Is is better to make something that he discussed that he tried to work on during the off season, and he's starting to hit some of those throws. I thought especially the throw to Keontes Lewis was a real big wow moment. Lewis was in the game because I, I think because Marcus Allen had suffered an early game injury and he comes up with a huge play, not a bad way to make your first college catch. And that set up the second touchdown, the, the 10 yard touchdown pass to Clay Cundiff that gives Wisconsin the 14, seven lead going into halftime. Obviously Wisconsin wasn't able to do much in the second half. The Badgers couldn't score any points and there were numerous 10 plus play drives that ended in nothing. But overall, I think Graham gave you, what you needed to have a chance. And that is an encouraging sign for the rest of this season. I, I have to believe that. Yeah. I mean, and he was especially good on third down, right? I mean, they, he would uh, six for nine on third down and all six of those uh, completions went for first downs. So, and as a whole, they were eight for 15 on third down, which is very, very good. Um, you know, in the, in the red zone, two for three, uh, but the red zone, a huge, huge issue for them last year. Here you go. They were good in, in, in week one against Illinois State. Solid again against Washington State. And I think a lot of that has to be looked at as uh, on Graham. I, it, again, he's he wasn't perfect. It, there, it, he wasn't. But there were just some big-time throws yesterday that people have been looking for him to make, and he made them. I'm um, thinking about the, uh, the second one to Keontes Lewis on the sideline, which was a great catch by Keontes, but a uh, perfect ball where it needed to be for for him to make that catch. So there were uh, there were a lot of things that you look at and be like, all right, what we saw in game one was a step. This was another step. We're getting close to making strides. Um, again, I think people will probably want to see it against a higher level FBS team. But again, maybe Washington State's better than uh, anybody thought they were going to be coming in. I I personally don't think so, but <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's a good Washington State team. What does that say about Wisconsin? I'll, I'll let you tell me, but all you can say is there's been steps, steps taken by Graham and steps that people wanted him to take. We've seen them. Yeah. I mean, imagine what this game looks like if Graham doesn't have the conversions that he does on third down and it's always being able to find the sticks and get a little bit past it. There's a late in the first quarter, there's a third and three and he completes a four yard pass to Chimre DK for a first down. I think of a play like th there's a third and 14 and Mertz hooks up with Skylar Bell for 15 yards. Now that's the drive that ended in the unfortunate fourth and three situation. But obviously, as I mentioned before, the one to Keontes Lewis, it's third and 10 and he drops in that absolutely perfect 40 yard pass. There's a bunch of those examples that are starting to stack up. And I think if you're a Badgers fan, it should start to make you believe that, that maybe Graham can begin to be more of the quarterback you thought he was coming out of high school. I, we're nowhere near where <laughs> the expectations were or whether he'll ever get there. But just to have a capable quarterback, I think, is a step in the right direction. And, and I mean, look, maybe you can go back at the end of the season and look at this game and say that uh, there were a lot of factors that were uncharacteristic and that's not really who Wisconsin is because you can point to some of the things that are happening on offense in the passing game. Um, Right now, it remains to be seen. But for now, that aspect, at least, is encouraging. And they certainly needed to carry over next week in a non-conference game to get to what is the big one at the end of September against Ohio State. That's going to be ugly. Uh, mm. It very well could be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Mexico State first. And then you can start talking about what, what could be a tough one uh, against Ohio State. A few other positive things 
um, that they, they weren't all positive, right? I, the defense wasn't dominant. It was good, but it wasn't dominant. You know, it wasn't, I mean, a dominant defense gets off the field at the end of the game to give their offense another chance. Right. Um, they weren't able to do it. However, they did force uh, two turnovers again. And uh, or I should say they did force two turnovers. You had Max Lofi come in at the goal line and, and uh, snuffing out a uh, scoring or a potential scoring opportunity for Washington state on their first drive of the game. We mentioned the Jay Shaw uh, interception Kamoi Latu, as you mentioned earlier, he missed the tackle on Nikki Watson, but he also had a sack and uh, it was his pressure. I, I don't know if it was his pressure that led to the interception, but he had pressure and, and hit Cam Ward again on the Jay Shaw interception. There there were signs sometimes, and then there were, there were guys getting after Cam Ward. He was able to extend the play a few times, but it felt like they were, they weren't able to get back to him all the time, but uh, there were, there were times that they got after him. Nick Herbig picked up his third sack of the season. So there were some, flashes of things but it's not a dominant unit at this point and uh, a dominant unit as I said gets off the field uh, in that situation at the end of the game give their offense one more chance and that's kind of what we saw last year I also say that for so long uh, Wisconsin's defense has been really good at dealing with adversity and uh, it didn't feel like that was the case yesterday as much yeah you get the kick return for a touchdown or say kick return setting them up in their own in their own uh, territory they make them settle for a field goal. Great. Um, but then you have, obviously, after Jay Shaw fumbles, they can't get off the field there. The the short field that they were able to work with after the fourth and three, not able to overcome that either. So, uh, so some good, some bad from the defense, I would think. It's hard for me to sit here and say that the the defense is the reason this team lost the game. It absolutely could have been better, but they were put in some compromising positions. No doubt there have been seasons that the, the calling card of Wisconsin has been that the defense was able to bail out the offense or, or the team in general for mistakes. There's that fourth and three Washington state basically gets the ball at midfield, gets the touchdown. You mentioned the other instances giving up a 70 plus yard kick return. Isn't going to put your defense in a great spot. They didn't make enough impactful plays. You, you go and look at the numbers and they had four tackles for loss and two sacks. They obviously had those two interceptions. Lofi's play and the Max Lofi interception was huge early in the game. It was sort of reminiscent of the John Torchio situation in that the other team was going down the field and, and they throw to the front of the end zone. And here's this big pick. And, and you think it's going to be a, a game changing play that ultimately wasn't the case, but giving up 17 points, that ought to be good enough for you to win a game. And it, and it wasn't. All right, let's get into a little overreaction or no. Mm. Coach Paul Chris needs to go. He reached <laughs> his ceiling a few years ago. Now the program is in decline. Overreaction or no? It's an overreaction. I understand people's frustration at this point. He's won, what is it, 73% of his games at the same time. It feels as though we are having more and more of these types of conversations, Zach, when we do these shows. Uh, a, a, little bit. <laughs> a, a loss that Wisconsin was not supposed to have, where there were shortcomings offensively, where the special teams didn't perform up to snuff, where you question the head coach's decision-making. Um, and I think that is, it gives cause for fans to be upset. But I, I mean, no, I he's not on the hot seat he's still winning games. Wisconsin still is going to be in position to win a big 10 West title. Um, we'll see whether that comes to fruition, but it's an extremely frustrating situation. At a certain point, you have to ask how many times is this going to happen to Wisconsin? 
And frankly, is this what Wisconsin football is at this point? That's the bigger picture, bigger picture question right now, because they got to a point where they had that run where they're just outside the college football playoff looking in and they haven't been anywhere close the last few years. And it sort of feels like they're not going to get any closer until there's that 12 team playoff opportunity, of course. Yeah. I mean, again, you could make the argument. Well, I, I guess I don't even need to make the argument. Um, the, tr- the 12 game playoff, the last, including this year, say it was in place. The only year that they'd be in it was 2019. Yeah, I'm including 2017, 2016. Uh, you you but... can. You, they, that's <laughs> they did happen. Long, do you know how long ago that is in this in, in college football? Like it's well, Paul uh, Chris I, was I, still the saying... head coach. I'm just saying they count. Right. No, no, it definitely counts. But I'm saying like the, the the overreaction is he's reached a ceiling, and now the program's on a decline. I I I. Uh, I can someone make an argument that it's not? I think you want to agree with that statement. I don't know that I will agree the part that it's in a decline. I'm not going to say he needs to go. That's no, that's not what I'm saying. That's an overreaction. The part that it's reached that it's in decline. I don't, I don't know how you can't say it isn't Jesse compared to where compared to where it was in 19 to what it's been these last three years like that. It's decline is I think um, a very good term to use. Oh, I'm not disputing that either. It's it's the aspect that he would need to go and that he should no. be replaced when he's still winning games. But you look at the offensive ineptitude in a lot of these situations. How many of these losses have come where the Badgers didn't score more than two touchdowns in a game? Way too many. Yes. <laughs> at a certain point, you do ask, is this what Wisconsin is? Is this who the Badgers are? And they're yeah. starting, they're they're showing us now. They've got a whole season to to change that narrative, but this is just not a good start. And we've had this conversation several times before in the last few years. Yeah. So he's in games where they were favored by 17 or more. He's and again, it's not their fault that they're favored by 17 or more. That's that's Vegas has he has nothing to do with that. Um, and I thought the number for this game was way too high, but in, in games, he started 17 to no in such games. He's 11 and three in the last 14. Um, and obviously the, the BYU game in 2018, the Illinois game in 2019. And now this one, um, it, it's not great. It's not great. And so, uh, um, I, I think it's very hard for anybody to sit here and say that compared to, to the ceiling, which I don't even, I guess I don't even know what the ceiling would be. 2017 is 2017. The ceiling, they reached the ceiling there or it was 2019. I mean, they lost four games in 2019. So it's hard to say that that's the ceiling. That team was, I think that team was really, was, was pretty good, but they, they also lost four games. Uh, so it's difficult for me to say uh, to disagree with the last part, but it's an overreaction to say that he needs to go. Yes, that is accurate. The ceiling to me is Wisconsin's in the Big Ten Championship because it won the West and has a potential shot to reach the college football playoffs. So 2017 is absolutely the ceiling for me, and they are nowhere close. All right, next uh, overreaction or no. This season is done. <laughs> Play all the young guys. Is that an overreaction <laughs> or no? Absolute overreaction at this point. If we're having this conversation in four weeks, uh, I will disagree with what I just said, but this team still has a chance to win the Big Ten West. Have you seen the Big Ten West? I'm just curious. I uh, don't know if there's any good team in that division. So that's wide open. I don't think this gives you any confidence Wisconsin's going to have a shot against Ohio State, and then you're looking at a team that's 2-2 and and 0-1 in the Big Ten. But still, I think they can still certainly win the West. Nobody has stood out. 
I mean, I, I completely ignore Minnesota as well, but I, I didn't know that was something that, you, that, that you were also a part of here. Which part? Just, I mean, saying no one, no team has stood out. I mean, they've, they haven't played anybody. Uh, they played New Mexico state. They played Western Illinois. They beaten the uh, piss out of both. Um, okay, fine. I'll get, I'll give it up to the Gophers. Uh, okay. I will not, but I'm just saying, if you want to, you're more than welcome to. I'm, I, I would never do that, but um, let's see what happens when they open Big Ten play against Michigan State and then play yeah. Purdue. And, you know, they got to go to Penn State. There's there's some tough games on there. And then they obviously got to come to Wisconsin. So, okay, they're the only team that hasn't lost a game in the West, but they also <laughs> haven't played anybody. Yes, that's accurate. Uh, every team in the Big Ten West has lost at least one game, except for Minnesota. Iowa has looked as inept on offense as I can remember a power five team doing which is saying something um, we, we, we have seen some really poor offense from Wisconsin the last two years. And I don't think it's anything on the level that what is happening in Iowa city at this point. Um, yes. The which Hawkeyes I was, say, hold my beer. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, Purdue ha- has put up, you know, obviously was unable to hold on against uh, Penn state and uh, they've, they've got some offensive weapons, especially Charlie Jones. Uh, we've seen Illinois at, times have success and, and then you know not so much who else uh northwestern goes out and beats nebraska uh, in ireland and then comes home and falls down 21 to nothing against duke uh it goes on to lose that one and then there's nebraska who lost to georgia state if scott frost buyout like it w- if it was october 1st right now scott frost i don't think would have a job coming off of what happened on Saturday night against Georgia State, losing that game. Uh, but his buyout does fall. October 1st jumps, it's, goes in half. Uh, do you think – I said this on Twitter last night. Maybe it's a little – maybe a little of the top, but I don't think Scott Frost could be the court, uh, the coach when Wisconsin goes to Nebraska in, in uh, November. It's not looking that way. I don't know how many uh, extra lives you can get when you're at a program like that that has all the resources, and then you go out and play the way that you have to this point. Um Honestly, if I look at the West, I'm inclined to think Purdue might be the sleeper team, but it's hard for me to pick the Boilermakers when they haven't beaten Wisconsin in two decades and they're going to have to come to Madison and do it. Certainly capable of doing it, but let's just say the West division is wide open for the taking and whichever team emerges uh, will probably regret having to play whatever team from the East in Indianapolis in December, as is usually the case. Yeah, Purdue's lone crossover game that you would point be like oh my god that's really tough was penn state yep they got him at home they did get it done um i'm already on record as i I was i was very um let's just say uh i'd had a few i'd had a few drinks um and uh i i I tweeted Purdue's opportunity to win the big 10 west just expired yeah i said it uh so I have no idea. That may not be the case. Purdue may still have a chance, but um, uh, whenever you throw something like, yeah, I said it, you know, you're wasted. Um, and I definitely was. So yeah, overreaction. This is the last one. Zach is an idiot for touting, <laughs> Deacon, for touting Deacon Hill and Vito Calvaruso. Is that an overreaction or no? Well, I thought I touted Vito Calvaruso and you touted Deacon Hill. We, well, I'm a, we each had I'm our a par- own separate... Yeah, but I'm apparently getting thrown in with the veto uh, love as well. So I've, I've I'll been give it to you. I, okay. I'll, I'll take a step back and, and throw you completely oh, yeah. under the bus. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I think we can be intoxicated with a quarterback's arm strength and a kicker's leg strength and still admit 
that maybe they're not always the most accurate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the Deacon Hill situation surprised me in week one that Miles Burkett ended up being the backup and certainly still appears to be in that role, but we'll have to see whenever the next time the number two quarterback gets in the Vito Calvaruso situation. I have said this before, and I think I acknowledged it in spring practice that despite my man crush on Calvaruso, uh, remember when we were watching spring ball and when he was healthy, I think it was, what was it like a 37 yard field goal or something wasn't anywhere close. And I remember talking to the other people around me saying like, but watch this. And he was about to kick a 55 yarder and he nailed it. I think that's kind of like what we're seeing from Calvin Russo. You don't necessarily know what to expect, which is not an ideal situation for your kicker. Um, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. One poor game doesn't make a, a kicker's career, at least not in college, since they're not going to get axed, I don't think. Um, but we'll have to see what happens moving forward. All right, let's get into uh, some of our Twitter questions, as you imagine. Um, very measured, very yeah. measured. I completely uh, expect that. Uh, Dwight says, which do you think will happen first? This program takes the next step and is consistently a real contender or fans realize where this program is and seemingly will be for a while and accept that there will be one to two head scratching losses like this every season. The latter in my <laughs> mind. I yeah. mean, seriously, what, what, when you're saying a contender, are you referencing a contender for winning a national championship? Because I just don't see it. There's yeah. been no indication to this point that they have. They obviously have been close, but have not made the college football playoff in a four-team format. It's the same three or four teams every year that have a shot to win the national title. That's the way college football is. And when it goes to a 12-team playoff, it'll probably still be the same three or four teams. Maybe you could sprinkle in an upset, but I don't necessarily know that's going to be the case. I think that's the only saving grace here for the future of college football as it pertains to Wisconsin's chances to win a title is that there will be more teams and therefore a better opportunity to potentially get in. But if you're asking me if I think they've got a legitimate chance to win a title, it's really hard to sit here and say yes. And we do continue to see losses like this. So I'm more inclined to believe that's what's going to happen. I don't think the Badgers are about to fall off the cliff. It'd be one thing if this was a four and eight team continuously. We haven't seen that at all. They're still going to be going to bowl games. They're still going to be competitive and try to win the Big Ten West. But I also understand if you're listening out there and you're a Badgers fan and you have been since the Barry Alvarez era started that you expect more especially in the last decade, you expect more. It is not about Wisconsin going nine and three and playing in the Las Vegas bowl. It's about them being 11 and one and having a shot to do something special. And we are getting farther and farther from that right now. That's a really good comment. And I, I feel like maybe this is a similar question, but he, Rob says, is it me or is a sense of complacency set in around the program? Started with the recruiting the last two years. Now it's self-inflicted mistakes that the program never used to make penalties, turnovers, penalty offense, seems like eight and four is good enough for Chris. See, I don't believe that. Um, I don't think there's a sense of complacency within the program. It's not like he's throwing his arms up and saying, well, this is who we are. I'm not going to watch as much film today. But I'll also understand why there would be some frustration about not building on those three record recruiting classes from 2019 to 2021. I would also perhaps caution you a little to go and wait and see mode and see what this new staff does that's with Mickey Turner and it's the largest staff they've had and in, in really ever in the recruiting department, obviously 2022, 2023 hasn't necessarily been ideal, but no, I don't think there's a sense of complacency with, I, I think it's the talent level that you have. And l let's 
be real here for Wisconsin to have a shot and do something unique and special. They've got to play their absolute best. And there are a lot of instances where they don't. And the margin for error is extremely slim based on the style that they play. And they can go and lose a game like they did to Washington state. So it's not complacency. It's, it's kind of maxing out what your potential is and they haven't been able to get to that point, but they're still going to be working for it and trying to get there. Matt asks, uh, why should I continue to care about this football program? (laughs) Well, I suppose it depends on your priorities, Matt. Um, (laughs) I mean, if you have an expectation that they should be winning the big 10 every year, then you should just stop caring now. If you enjoy watching games and you derive some pleasure out of those Saturdays and you build something around your weekend because Wisconsin's playing, then by all means, go for it. How many other teams in the country go through stuff like this? Notre Dame just lost to Marshall, for God's sake. Um, They're 0-2 right now in the Marcus Freeman era. Iowa can't score a touchdown to save their life. I mean, it's a miracle when the Hawkeyes score seven points, So, which they've done in back-to-back weeks. I have to give Iowa credit for that. But there's a lot of other programs going through some things. So, it's just a matter of perspective and what your expectations are, I think. You you mentioned the other teams that struggled this week. Wisconsin had a good week to uh, to lose at home to a, another Power 5 team because <laughs> uh, it's been covered up a little bit by what happened down in Austin with Texas and Alabama and obviously the Notre Dame game and Texas A&M losing to App State. Like There were, there were times here, and obviously Nebraska losing at home to Georgia State. I mean, if, if they were the only upset, uh, the – national focus maybe on them a little bit more it's not uh because of things that happened elsewhere around the country uh ct badger asks uh besides new mexico state illinois and maryland not even i don't know um who else are they beating <laughs> i Were see you, gonna zero- say you don't know if they're going to beat maryland yes i did say that uh i see zero gimmies at this point including road games at northwestern and nebraska are supposed to strength the o-line is as bad as it looked in week one it was thoroughly exposed in week two Uh, I see a risk of a serious regression this year with the failures at so many levels. So he's saying New Mexico State, Illinois, and Maryland are the wins, and the rest are toss-ups. Said this is zero gimmies at this point. I completely agree. Yeah. (laughs) But that that doesn't mean they're going to go five and seven. It just means that in those toss-up games, they're going to have to figure out a way to win, which has been one of the strengths of the Badgers program over these years. And I can't sit here and say any of those games are – are absolute wins, even at Nebraska, for as terrible as the Cornhuskers have been. Maybe I'll give Wisconsin that one. But these other ones, that's why the West is so wide open. It takes a special team to do something, and Wisconsin right now has to prove that it can be that team. Yeah, uh, we'll finish with this one. At what point does Paul Chris need to be held responsible for below-average special teams? Poor special teams has cost the Badgers numerous games. Under Chris, do they not prioritize special teams? Question mark? Well... Uh, so obviously Chris Herring was a special teams coordinator. And then this year with Mickey Turner moving over to recruiting, Chris moved Turner, uh, Chris moved Herring over to the tight ends and he's got multiple coaches handling different aspects of the special teams. So there's no dedicated special teams coach, but there are multiple coaches handling different roles. And I, I mean, we're not sitting there behind the scenes and I don't know exactly what that looks like, but as the head coach, you've got to take responsibility for all your team's shortcomings because you're delegating authority. And right now, the special teams play on the whole hasn't been good enough. So I'd imagine he'd take responsibility right now if you straight up asked him. But there's also 10 regular season games to go, and they're going to have to get their act together if they want to have a chance. They definitely will. Uh, I don't know how much it'll matter this coming week against New Mexico State, who uh, is among 
with with former uh, Minnesota coach Jerry Kill leading him, one of the one of the worst uh, FBS teams uh, in, in college football. They were not good. They they were very very bad against Minnesota. Maybe that's Minnesota. I don't know, um, but they will come into uh, Camp Randall on Saturday, and uh, then obviously the following week things kick up a notch with a trip to Ohio State. Uh, Jesse, uh, anything you wanted to add before we get out? No, uh, it's sort of too bad that uh, there's an unfortunate week three game on the home schedule. You probably would have liked to see something else. But look, it's a confidence building type of game for Wisconsin going into that Ohio State game. Yep, definitely. All right. Thank you very much. We'll talk next week. Until that, until then, you've been listening to the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.